Friends, hello. Should I welcome you to episode 425? Should I say, this is the beginning of season seven? Or should I wish you a happy 2021? Eh, who cares? This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, Dexcom, and Touched by Type 1. Find out more about the sponsors at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in the show notes of your podcast player. And of course, you can always type myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or touchedbytype1.org into any browser that you have at your fingertips. I've taken a couple of weeks off to celebrate the holiday with my family, and I'm back at it. You might not have noticed, because, you know, I made sure that the podcast kept coming. But I am refreshed. I'm enthusiastic. I am happy to be out of 2020. And I have for you today an absolutely astounding story from a type 1 named Jill. You're going to love it. It's got intrigue and twists and turns. There's babies and odd diagnoses. There's even wine. I never wear headphones, so I feel like I'm yelling right now. <laughs> like, am I talking loud? Am I talking quiet? You're perfect. Just do what you're doing. Awesome. Do you feel like you can hear your own voice? Or no? Kind of. I'm wearing like noise-canceling headphones. That's all we had. So it just feels... Like, I don't know what my volume is, but if you say it's fine, then I'll just keep on going. (laughs) You are terrific. You sound great. Don't think about anything. We're going to start right away. I'm super excited to talk to you. Tell people your name. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. We're going to do a little thing here in 2021, kind of a book club. I'm going to tell you about it at the end of the episode. But basically, if you go, well, I don't want to give it all away here, but we're going to go over the pro tip episodes and then have live chats about them if you'd like to be involved. There, that was a simple way of saying it. Let's listen to this, and then I'll tell you about that. My name is Jill Woodruff. Good. Perfect. And Jill has such a great story. Like, it's fascinating. This has got to be early, mid-2019, you and I mean? Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Tell people what happened to you. Um. So I um was sick for a little while, but I didn't really know I was sick. And then in January, I... um went to urgent care for a yeast infection. And I was like, why do I have a yeast infection? I haven't had that since I was, you know, very young. And I don't know why I would have that, you know? So I I went to urgent care and they did a P-test. And in the P-test, of course, the urgent care doctor came back and was like, you have a lot of sugar in your pee. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. You should have said, of course I do. I'm baking bread in my vagina. <laughs> right? <laughs> I was like, okay, well great. Like I'm super uncomfortable. Can we just get this over with? Yeah. Yeah. Not a fun conversation, Jill. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, he just wanted to run some tests. I'm like, okay. So he goes and then he comes back and just was like, you know, dropped it. Was just like, yeah, you're you're diabetic. Um, and that was just like totally out of left field because I just went in for something that I thought was just like another simple, you know, like a woman thing, just simple. Right. Give me the antibiotics so we can be done with this. And ended up being like a whole whole thing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So then do you go right to your primary care doctor or what do you do then? So I'm really irresponsible. <laughs> I'm going to say it's because I'm a millennial, but maybe that's not it. Um, so at the time I had just turned 30, like two weeks prior. And I feel like I just didn't have like a primary care doctor. I always had... Um, Kaiser Permanente, whatever they were before. I can't remember the name, but mm -hmm. I always had that kind of doctor where you would just kind of go in. If you had something, you would see whoever was available. Um, so I didn't have anyone that I had established care with. Okay. So I just had an urgent care doctor. I didn't ever really have a a real doctor, air quotes, right? <laughs> yeah. Just whoever came out from behind the curtain when you were there. Yeah. And I didn't really have any health issues before. So I just went in when I had the flu or, you know, for sure. little things, but I didn't have a regular doctor, so this stranger kind of <laughs> dropped the ball on me, and I was like, "Oh, this is why grown up like having like an, a primary care physician <laughs> that they know in case something happens." Yeah, the tiniest bit of like, I know this person while they're telling you things. Well, you know, last week I had I pinched like a nerve in my shoulder, and mm -hmm. I didn't go to my doctor. I went to a uh, urgent care too because all i really wanted was like a muscle relaxer because i was like mm -hmm. my shoulder was spasming and i was like i just need this to stop um yeah if i would have called my doctor he would have been like yeah we can see you in like maybe 10 days and you know it's like oh. right it's a whole thing <laughs> right, right. It's like, i can drive up the street where there's a man with a prescription pad and the whole thing's legal so yep <laughs> <laughs> now so okay well you have what was your understanding of diabetes leaving urgent care Oh, no, no understanding. So um, I do want to be clear, like I'm not blaming my doctors because now I do kind of understand, you know, like not everybody's a specialist in diabetes. Um, when I went in, my understanding was you're a professional. You went to college. You should be giving me obviously all the information about what you've just told me. Mm -hmm. um, I left in total shock. I was like, okay. I have no idea what to do. He told me to make an appointment with a primary care physician um, to follow up. And I'm like, okay, I don't have one of those. So I guess I'll just pick someone on this list at this facility. Um, he wrote me a prescription for metformin. Um, they had just, they had diagnosed me as type two because of my age um, and wrote me a prescription for the Lancet and like the finger prick or whatever. And that's kind of it. I didn't have any information about what to do with any of it. I remember I went to Target to fill my prescription in a total daze because I was like, what is happening? Like, what yeah. am I even going to do with this? And I remember the pharmacist was asking me like, which, um, and I'm sorry, what's the finger pricker called? <laughs> like the Lance? The Lance is out. It is. Sure. I call it a finger pricker. Okay. Listen, <laughs> Very sophisticated. As long as you know what it is when you're reaching for it, I think you're fine. You know, there's different brands. And I remember the pharmacist asked me, like, which which brand was it that the doctor needed you to get? And I was like, I just looked at her. I was like, I don't know. What did what does the prescription say? <laughs> I have no idea. I know as much. I know way less than you. Right. I was just so frustrated. And um, 
I just came home and I was like, what do I even do with any of this? Mm. I don't know. I don't even know how to prick my finger. Like, am I supposed to, (laughs) I had no information at all. Um, so that was really frustrating. I, I ended up YouTubing how to do it. Wow. It was just so dramatic because also like, I don't like pain. I've never, um, I'm not like a tough cookie about anything. You know, if I am hurting, I'm hurting. And so even just a simple thing, like pricking my finger was just a whole ordeal. I remember hours in the kitchen pacing back and forth and now it like cracks me up because it's like nothing but Mm -hmm. i remember just like holding my breath before i would you know stick my stick my little finger and get the blood out and it was just this whole i'm a 30 year old woman and i remember just feeling so embarrassed that it was so hard oh my god i so far all i can think of is that everything i've thought to call this episode is too wordy but (laughs) jill can't pick a prick uh was one of them uh you know (laughs) Jill's cookie isn't tough, uh, you know, or, you know, and you didn't even tell us if he gave you medicine for the yeast infection, which I'm still wondering about. And I don't even know why. Oh. <laughs> Just like, what about a vagina? Is that thing okay, too? Like, what's going on there? Did you did he at least give you something for that? So apparently, yes, um, apparently that was like not a big problem. But apparently he said that um, because of all the sugar, obviously like that can trigger a yeast infection. And I told you like, I'm, I was so confused that I even had it in the first place. Cause I, I think I've had one maybe once in my yeah. youth. Um, and that's it. And I was like, what is happening? Why do I have this? And it was an aggressive yeast infection. It was horrible. Um, Jill had an aggressive yeast infection. Uh, I please. That'll get to everybody call. to listen. <laughs> 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 but apparently that's a common thing that happens if you have undiagnosed diabetes you know mm-hmm. um you have a lot of sugar in your blood of and course. that's what i don't know is all connected with the yeast nonsense so it was just not a not an ideal situation at all so, so you're a person who you know has been healthy thus far you're you're probably getting into that like really like space where you're like i'm 30 nothing's ever going to go wrong with me i'll never even need a doctor and then suddenly somebody's telling you and I, I don't even want to say half of what you need to know. They're they're basically just yelling words at you. So there's no direction at all. Here's metformin. Here's a thing to test your blood sugar with. You have diabetes. See you later. Yeah. And I mean, I also, to give more context, no one in my family has diabetes. I know nobody who has diabetes. Gotcha. So I my understanding of diabetes at that point was this is something that you get when you are overweight. And that's it. And I'm not overweight. You know, I was, I'm 5'2". I was 140 maybe when I went in, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, fine. It's like average. Um, it just didn't make sense. You know, A, why I had it B, what I was even supposed to do going forward. Hmm. And every single doctor that I met after that, because I met many <laughs> primary care physicians, quote unquote, <laughs> who were all like, oh, wow, but you're not like overweight, you know? Oh, wow. How'd you get th- like, why are you asking me that? You're my doctor, you know? Yeah. Where, it was extremely frustrating. Do you live in the middle of a desert? Like, or where do, are you like near civilization? Where do you? Oh, live? no. Yeah. yeah. I live 30 minutes from Seattle. Um, I'm in the city. I mean, I guess maybe a little more country than city, but it's, I live by a lot of stuff. <laughs> but no expectation that every doctor you bump into should have no idea what diabetes is. 
And I just feel like because they thought I was type two, um, maybe they have like a very limited understanding of diabetes. Like, oh, it's this epidemic or not. Yeah. Epidemic that we see across the country. It's a big deal. I'm sure everybody gets some kind of type two training, but it was just very general, you know, any information that I got and everything that I had to learn how to do from finger pricking to inserting my first uh, freestyle Libra, uh, everything. I had to YouTube everything. Yeah. Nobody showed me how to. <laughs> That's crazy. Absolutely do anything um, at all. And so I still am a teeny tiny bit bitter about that. <laughs> Don't worry. We can get it out here. Um. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I really have to say that enough people have said it to me over the years that I'm not stunned when the doctor doesn't get it, but I still am a little. Like, like I try to think about it, like, what if you went to urgent care and urgent care said, hey, you have leukemia. And then you walked into a doctor's office and said, hey, urgent care says I have leukemia. And the doctor said, that's weird. You're not a blonde. You, you right. know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> what? <laughs> like, is that your assessment pattern? Like, is this what they taught you in school? Like, figure yes. it Oh, it's fascinating. It really is. Okay, so you had to go to an... A number of doctors to find one? Um, yeah, because everyone was just kind of confused. And uh, I don't really know. It kind of is a blur. It was like all a lot of information. Um, I was told to go to a nutritionist right away. Um, I saw two different doctors, like mainly, and they kind of were, I think, tag teaming with information. Like I would see one and she was great and she was super sweet. She reassured me we were going to figure this out, but she also was like, I have no idea like where to even start with you. I don't know why you're a type two diabetic. It doesn't make sense. You're taking the metformin and nothing is happening. Um, you know, I, I was finger sticking like every, what do they tell you? Like three times a day or something. And every time I did it, it was like 300, 300, 300. And they were like, yeah, we don't know, but you know, don't worry, just keep like eating. You need to eat well and like go to your nutritionist. And I was just so frustrated because when I would go on the internet to Google anything, which you should never do <laughs> when you're <laughs> sick with anything, you know, everything on the internet says, if your blood sugar is higher than 300, you go to the emergency room, right. like right away. That's, that's a problem. And I didn't understand why every doctor would look at my numbers and would be like, well, yeah, like just just go home, like, just see if it gets better. Like you just need to eat better. And I am a pretty healthy eater. Mm -hmm. um, so I was also frustrated with that because I thought, what else can I cut out of my diet? Okay, sugar, fine. Uh, I guess I won't eat bread anymore. Fine. Um, I was cracking up, re like remembering this with my husband because I told him, you know, we were eating all these Christmas cookies just recently. And he was like, you remember when you were afraid to eat anything with sugar because I literally would have like a panic attack yeah. if I was brave enough to have like a teeny tiny piece of sugar at this time the second it went into my body mm -hmm. I just I got so hot I got super anxious I just I was like oh my gosh I cannot ever have sugar because I just felt so scared I didn't understand why every time I would go to the doctor they'd send me back with no information just eat better yeah you know it was just nothing made sense and I think that was that was like the biggest frustration. Well, I have um, a day where I can, that I went through that I think I've brought up on here. So I'll, I'll go through it quickly. But one day I had to go to the dentist 
And I showed up at the dentist's office and asked to use the bathroom before we started. Then halfway through the procedure, I was like, can we stop for a second? I have to go to the bathroom. And then so I peed like three times in the in like 90 minutes at the dentist's oh, office. Gosh. So the dentist grabs me on the way out and says, hey, I'm concerned you might have type 2 diabetes. Now I'm like, it, it ended up being, if you've been listening to the podcast, that my mm-hmm. iron was really low and my body was all out of whack and everything. But so, But for a day until I could get a doctor's appointment, I thought I might have type 2 diabetes because somebody said it to me. And mm-hmm. I experienced exactly what you're talking about. I couldn't bring myself to eat food because everything felt super scary. Like, yes, like I, I can't eat it. any. I just didn't eat anything. I just stood there for a day waiting to go to a doctor's appointment. Yep. So, and that's it. I mean, it's just like this totally crippling food anxiety. Mm-hmm. Of eating it all. I mean, I ate like a bear. That's what, you know, my husband was like, remember when you wouldn't eat any sugar, like you were just eating like a bear. I would eat nuts and berries and that's it. Cause that's all the, all these things on Pinterest. If you look up type two, you know, diets or whatever say, oh, you know, like why would you have to eat berries? Number one, like they have so much sugar, but (laughs) I just ate nothing. I just ate little things here and there. My nutritionist was fine, but you know, another frustration was, doctors and the nutritionist all made comments about my ethnicity. I'm Latina. And um, everybody was like trying to figure out an answer. Mm-hmm. And everybody had to say, oh, well, you know, some ethnicities are more prone to type two. It's probably in your cultural diet. And I heard that so many times. I was like, <laughs> so <laughs> irritated because what is my cultural diet? Number one, you have not asked me what I eat. Nobody asked me what I eat. Nobody asked me specifically like what my nationality, you know, that I identified with was. So I think what was happening was a lot of people were assuming I was Mexican and I was eating like beans and like what you would get at the Mexican restaurants, you know, and I can only assume that just because of how many people said it in a row. And I was like, what, what are people thinking? But where, where, where are you? Where's your family from? My family's from Peru. Okay. All right. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I grew up here, so I don't know that my cultural diet, you know, was really an impact. It just you just imagine that the doctors in the other room going, "Hey, Charo in there probably eats a lot of beans, don't you think?" Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how I felt. I was just like, "Huh." I'm not sure where these assumptions are coming from, but Mm -hmm. because they are professionals, I never said anything. I never brought anything up. I was just like, "Okay, (laughs) I believe you when you say that." certain ethnicities are probably prone to type two. That makes sense to me, whatever. But it wasn't until after that I had time to kind of mull stuff over that I was like, hmm, well, there's I don't a- know why they didn't ask me specifically, like, what's in your diet? <laughs> yeah. She probably just eats rice and you right, know, yeah. <laughs> avocados all day. I don't know. It's what I saw at the Mexican restaurant that one time. No, uh, your story is just the first quarter of it here is fantastic because this is what I'm trying to tell people all the time. You can't just sit there and nod at your doctor and go, okay, 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 and just do whatever they say. Not that you shouldn't listen to them. I'm not saying that. But you have to make sure you have a good one before you start listening. Right. And that's just such a big part of diabetes. It's it's not uncommon for people to be in the situation that you talk about. And you were just at a real disadvantage because, in honesty – if your mom and dad didn't send you on your way already knowing who your doctor was and you just didn't get sick, you were basically a 15-year-old in that office that day being yep. told you had <laughs> diabetes, right? 
Because it's the story, it reads just like, what if I would have sent a 15-year-old into a doctor's office to be told they had something that they didn't know about? And on top of that, your blood sugar's over 300 all the time. So you're probably whacked out of your skull. You, you know, it's prob- you're probably, like, did you notice a clearing of your mind when your blood sugar finally came down? I think, honestly, and I don't know enough about type 1. I haven't listened to enough of the um, podcasts, especially with Jenny. Um, Because I know she has a lot of, I don't know, just like different medical expertise, right? Every time I listen, I'm always like, wow, I need to write all this down. Jenny's a rock star. But um, I don't know enough about it to know how fast um, a person can become type 1. I think that I was, my my body was probably like shutting down for a couple years before is what I'm thinking. Because I had a lot of things slowly kind of going wrong. (laughs) Okay. Um, I peed a lot for a while. Like it wasn't suddenly, it was like two or three years where I was like, wow, my kidneys just suck. (laughs) So I feel like I don't know how long my blood sugar was at 300 for, for, you know, maybe years. And like, I just got used to it. You know, I didn't notice that my mind was foggy. I didn't, I don't feel, I mean, maybe now I would, but I didn't feel gross at 300 i felt gross when i was at 90 you know so you were Um, high for a really long time then yeah and that's what i think like i don't even know like when when it started you know i think it was a really long descent for me like a couple years and then suddenly it came on quickly like at the end with that yeast infection but i really think it was a long time coming (laughs) yeah your entire life shifted in the last 18 months two years in a number of different segments like yeah, so, you be- yeah. So you became an adult about your health right away. You were like, oh, "Okay, mm-hmm. this is happening," and other things happened too, which I can't wait to tell people about. But I like that you're <laughs> stringing it out like this. I feel like you're a good storyteller. This is excellent. Um, <laughs> really, seriously, like when you didn't say the other thing, I was like, "Jill's good at this." It's time, isn't it, to take care of yourself to do the things you know you need. Absolutely it is. Why don't you go right now to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and have Omnipod send you out a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump. It'll take you just a couple of brief moments to fill out what they need to know. And before you know it, right there in your mailbox will be an Omnipod. It's one, it's non-functioning, right? So it's not dangerous. It's just so that you can wear it and feel it see what it would be like. Take a shower, go for a walk, live your life with an Omnipod to see what life with an Omnipod may be like. It's incredibly easy to do. It's free. Again, there's no obligation. You might as well try. Myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. There's links right there in the show notes of your podcast player or at juiceboxpodcast.com if you can't remember them, but I'll probably say them enough that it'll stick in your head. And eventually you'll be sending me an email that sounds like this. Oh my God, Scott, fine. I tried the Omnipod demo and it was terrific and I use it now. I get a lot of those emails. Yours can be next. So if you're looking to get away from multiple daily injections or you don't want a pump with that tubing on it, try an Omnipod. This is a perfect way to see what you think. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. There are two ways to have diabetes. One is where you can't see what your blood sugar is doing. 
and in the other way, you're wearing a Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor, and you can see everything. Speed, direction, and number in real time, right on your cell phone. That's like Android or iPhone, or there's a little receiver. Like say you're one of the three people that don't have a cell phone, you just get a little receiver, it's fine. No matter what you need to see your numbers on, Dexcom will have you covered. And covered in a way that you can't imagine. Opening you up to being able to make decisions about insulin and food that takes away the stress and anxiety that using insulin can bring. Whether you have type one or type two diabetes, the Dexcom G6 is for you in my opinion. Head over now, dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Start picking through. See if you would like to learn more. There's a form down there if you would like to. You just tell them a little bit about yourself, what kind of uh, diabetes you have, what kind of insurance, and the next thing you know, you're on your way. And if you have Medicaid, or you're a United States veteran using the VA for your insurance, I think you might be very happy with what you find out. And you can start getting those Dexcom alerts when you want them. What do I mean by that? How would you like to know when your blood sugar dips below 85? I don't know. How would you like to know when it dips below 70? Whatever you prefer, that's where you set the alert. Want to know if your blood sugar is rising so you can use more insulin? Do that too. My daughter's high alarm is set at 120. Yours could be somewhere else. Whatever works for you is what's right. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. And don't forget to check out Touched by Type 1 at touchedbytype1.org or on their Facebook and Instagram pages. Thank you so much for listening to the ads. When you support the advertisers, you're supporting the podcast, keeping the podcast free and plentiful. There's a list of all the advertisers right there in the show notes of your podcast player or at juiceboxpodcast.com. I am genuinely proud of the companies who sponsor this show. We got a good group. When do you finally get a handle on all of this? Like, when do you get a, at least a base understanding? So this all happened in January. My month of January was 100% diabetes, of course. I was continuing. I'm a busy lady. I like to travel a lot. I like to do a lot of things with my friends on weekends. Um, and so I wasn't going to stop, even though I was dealing with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I We went to Whistler, and I had kind of a diabetic episode, and that was kind of hard to deal with. We went to uh, Leavenworth, which is a small German town here that's kind of a tourist attraction, also had a tiny diabetic episode. I was like, okay, I don't, I'm not really getting this, right? This isn't getting better. Um, I can't eat things and enjoy drinking um, without it being kind of scary. Yikes, maybe I need to find a specialist. There was no way I was getting into an endocrinologist for like six months. There was a huge wait for this one. And I didn't really understand that you could shop for endocrinologists. I was given a referral to an endocrinologist in January, one endocrinologist. That one was busy for six months, apparently. And then that's it. It never dawned on me, not ever having to deal with doctors before, that I could just shop for people. Mm. Like I could just get on the internet myself and find someone. And I just waited. I didn't know. And so it wasn't getting better. In February, um, I flew to Sonoma with my best friend um, for a wine weekend. And uh, of course, the day before we flew out, um, she and I both got really sick. We both had the flu. 
And we were like, well, screw this. Like we are not wasting. We can't get our money back. So we're just going to take a ton of DayQuil <laughs> as responsible 30-year-olds would. <laughs> and we'll be fine. We're not wasting our weekend in Sonoma. Um, I was so sick. Uh, we came back a day early just because we were both sick, but I had the flu with diabetes. Right. And so I kept checking my blood sugar and I was like, what is happening? It's like 400. Should I go to the urgent care here in California? Like I had no idea what to do. I came back home. I went to urgent care here every single day for a week. And the fifth day, I'm not kidding. I went every day and every day they sent me home and they're like, just keep checking your blood sugar. <laughs> and the fifth day I was like bawling. And I was like, I can't keep coming here. I have a full-time job. Like I can't, what is wrong with me? And so this one doctor obviously took pity on me and was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out for you. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm going to call you tomorrow. And so she calls me and says, I have a friend who works at this other clinic who might have a contact for you. So it was like this all, you know, convoluted, like call this person, call this person, call this person. Oh my God. But I ended up getting hooked up with an endocrinologist um, who could see me a little sooner. So I had a, a month wait instead. So February goes by, March goes by. Um, I'm still trying to do my best to keep my blood sugar under control. And then in Let's see. End of March, I get in to see this endocrinologist. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, she reminds me of my mom. She is like a no-nonsense Indian woman who just is direct, <laughs> so direct. She took like one look at me and was like, you're not type two. Why did they tell you you were type two? And I was like, I don't know. And I like started crying. <laughs> I just want to go drink wine. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't know. Just fix it. <laughs> like, I, I have no idea. And so she's like, there's no way you're type two. Um, they should have done a blood test on you. And she did a, this blood test. And yeah, she's like, yes, look, look at these numbers, Jill. Like, like I'm a doctor. Mm -hmm. Look at these numbers. This doesn't make any sense. You're type one. You've been misdiagnosed. You know, you should have never left that urgent care without this simple blood test that any doctor can do. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that doesn't help me. <laughs> she was like, listen, I, let's be clear for a second. I drank DayQuil with diabetes and got on a plane so I could drink more wine than uh, a person should. I'm not – you shouldn't be leaving me in charge of these decisions. Jill, were you a huge party girl through your 20s? Just asking. I'm not a party girl at all. I just okay. am really into wine and like we're, we can be very bougie about our wine. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I just – I thought it was fantastic that in the middle of what seemed like a life or death health crisis, you were, you were like, we're still going. <laughs> I mean, but the you, wine never stops. It's just, you know, but you that's really, just part of life. Really <laughs> We're going to figure it out around the wine. <laughs> Doctor, while you're considering my diabetes, remember there's going to be Merlot. Okay, like that's part <laughs> of it right here. Uh, no, but I mean, it's just, I, I guess it really does go to how little you understood about what was happening. Mm -hmm. That's that's the kind of the fascinating part. So Yeah, right. so then at least there was the correct diagnosis, right? Then at least she was like, obviously... <laughs> You're a type one. Your doctors are all idiots. It was basically what she said. Also, not not to pick your psyche apart too much, but it's interesting that once you found a doctor that was more like a parent, it worked out for mm -hmm. you really quickly. Yeah. Okay. A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. And I do like attribute the cultural bit a lot because she just, I don't, I just don't want to screw up in front of my endo. Like she is the most cutthroat lady. Mm -hmm. She might not be where I go for like warm and fuzzy 
you know, feelings, but she cares about my health in a way that a parent would, you know? Yeah. She tells me absolutely like you cannot do these things X, Y, and Z. And I think that's not for everyone, but that's for me. You know, it worked out really well. I appreciate that she's honest and, you know, just gives me the truth. And so anyway, she diagnosed me type one. She gave me kind of a little plan, but she was like, you need to come back like in two weeks for sure. We're going to get you set up with everything that you need. So I had a physical scheduled with my primary care physician. I go back to her between these two weeks. Um, I told her, oh, yeah, I was diagnosed with type one. She was like, oh, okay, great. She obviously didn't know like what anything about type one. She was just like, oh, I'm so glad that you have answers. And in that appointment, I had asked like, so my husband and I are like trying to have kids. We would like to start trying. I have all this medical stuff happening. Like, is it safe for us to start trying or should should I wait? And I remember she's just like, oh, yeah, you're going to be fine. Like now that you have an endo and everything, like, yeah, go ahead. Like, definitely try. Jill, can, so I, like, yell at awesome. you? can I yell at you for a second? What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. well, well, also, your Omnipod's almost out of insulin. Oh, yep. Yeah. It sure is. <laughs> um, how in that situation where the doctor who couldn't help you figure out you had type 1 diabetes did you like consider to ask her another question and take her seriously? Scott, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I thought she was in charge of like my general body and the other lady was in charge of just my diabetes. So I was like, okay, she's going to know in my physical for sure. If like I can have children, I just does wasn't equating all these things as like together. You know, I was just diabetes was such a thing outside my body that I just wanted to get rid of. Does that make sense? I just was like, Okay, someone's handling that over here. Like I want to continue with my life and keep keep doing my things and keep staying with my plans, you know? So you didn't think of you you kind of thought about diabetes like a bankruptcy. You're like, "Yes, I spent way too much money and can't pay it back, but let's compartmentalize that, put it <laughs> over here. I'm going to send $700 a month to that bill, and I'm still going to pretend that I'm me and there's nothing going on." Like you were trying to 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 split the two apart, you and the diabetes. You right. weren't, you weren't letting exactly it merge it. together. Um, okay. You're there now, though, right? Like, I'm. Like, you know you're a person living with diabetes and all that stuff, and you don't. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I don't want people, yep. like, to be like, you know, geez, this poor girl's not learning anything. We're just telling the story. That's all. Nope, you're that's right. It was just a long, a, that's right. a long learning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. I'm still, I'm stunned that you asked that doctor if it was okay to have a baby. <laughs> it just was all kind of happening so fast too. And like, I wasn't used to going to doctors, you know, in general. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, every week I'm seeing a nutritionist and then I'm seeing the regular doctor and then I'm seeing this endo and like, somebody's got to have answers. You know, I just wasn't, it's not that I wasn't skeptical of doctors, but I was just so desperate to trust somebody to give me good news. I was like, please, just somebody I gotta, <laughs> say what I want you to say. I got to be honest with you. This is the second story in 2020 I've heard that makes me not want to go to the Seattle area. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. All right. So now you have type 1 diabetes. You have this lovely Indian doctor who's yelling at you the way you need to be all that. And yes. then there's the other doctor who I'm not sure what she does still. Uh, and and are you on a, what part do you and I intersect? When did I win that thing? Probably September, August, August, July. Yeah, okay. But you you and I spoke on the phone once. 
Right, but it was for the prize. It was um so I think you did that you had a contest in July or August or something okay. like that. And then when I won, I called you or you called me. But why was two. that? Oh, part of it was you Oh, part of the prize was talking to me, which I now hear when I say out loud sounds like I'm an asshole. But I get what you <laughs> but, but that was <laughs> Own your expertise. That's all right. It's a great prize. Honestly, when I just said it out loud, I was like, oh, that sounds douchey. <laughs> so but <laughs> but but okay. Well, I'm flush now like you are. <laughs> Hilarious. All right. So uh all right, I got it. So we're on the phone, and at that point, are you did you get knocked up yet? When does that part come? Oh, yeah. I got knocked up immediately, right away. When my doctor said, oh, yeah, go ahead and start trying, I was like, dope. We're doing this. You ran out the door legs first. Yep. <laughs> and then knocked up the next day. I'm not kidding. Like, right away. And by the time that I saw my endo for the second time, um, I was already, like, a teeny tiny bit late. And I was like, oh, might also be pregnant. And the way she looked at me, oh, my gosh. I thought she, I thought you were gonna say she punched you. <laughs> like I, I thought she looked like yeah. she wanted to. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh my god! So, so she was like, "What?" And I was like, "Well, like I was told that it was fine, and like this was already in my plan." I'm a teacher, so I really like to stick to my plans, um, like a disgusting amount. It just is one of my things. I have a strict itinerary, and this was part of my plans. I did not want to give it up, and so when she <laughs> looked at me, I was like, "Oh crap." Maybe it wasn't a good idea. And she she said, like, you better hope that you're not pregnant. Your diabetes is completely out of control. You were just diagnosed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Forget everything that you've gone through since January. You were just diagnosed oh, two weeks ago, you know, like with a brand new illness. Type 2 and type 1 are completely different. So you better hope that you're not. And I was like, okay, not great. Um, I totally was, of course, yeah. right away. So by the time you and I talked, I think I was probably like four months pregnant. Wow. And and so my recollection of talking with you back then, <clears throat> excuse me, was, hold on a second. <clears throat> Hello. <clears throat> That'll get cut out. Hold on a second. <laughs> or I'll just get lazy and leave it in. It's hard to know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Is that... I remember going downstairs after we spoke and I said to my wife, I just talked to the person who won the giveaway and apparently she like was diagnosed with type one diabetes and got pregnant like in the same like couple of weeks or something. Like I, I said, she basically found out she really had type one diabetes and she was already pregnant and I don't think things are going great. And my, I remember my wife and I were like, Oh, that's, I hope that goes okay. And, and mm -hmm. then I kind of started, keeping after you on Instagram a little bit mm -hmm. and like following along and you're just, you know, you're adorable. Like you're just like little and like you have a bright smile <laughs> and a pretty face. Like it's, you're adorable. And so Thanks. like you always look okay is what I'm saying. Like I'm assuming in some of those pictures, you've just thrown up from wine and you're still look adorable. So I can't tell oh, how you're sweet. doing. <laughs> I can't tell how you're doing from your Instagram. Um, Actually, I guess nobody can tell how anybody's doing from social media, but that's not. Yeah, the right. But, but so <laughs> Just I, the good stuff. Yeah, right. But then the baby came out. I was like, yay, right on. Because I assume you understand now that like, there's a high likelihood that you would have ended up having a miscarriage if your blood sugars stayed the way they were. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I hadn't found that endo, I mean, that really was the game changer. Um, 
of course, like I had no idea how, how serious it was. I knew it was serious to have diabetes, of course, but like not having any real context or having anybody at all in my life who has had any serious disease, you know, for a long period of time, I just didn't really get it like internally. Right. So once I got this endo and I got the correct diagnosis and she just kept hammering into me, like how serious it was that my blood sugar stay in control. Um, it really all fell into place. I mean, I met her in April, you know, end of March, beginning of April ish. And honestly, by June, I was like hundred percent. I don't want to say in control all the time, but I had a really good handle on like how to manage the diabetes because she and her team were phenomenal. I mean, I went to see them every week for probably like four or five weeks Mm -hmm. and worked with these diabetes educators who are like Omnipod reps. And I got the Dexcom and the Omnipod immediately because I was pregnant. Um, Like immediately. I mean, I think I waited for like three weeks, maybe where I still was finger sticking. And after that, I had everything bells and whistles ready to go. So I really have never experienced a life of diabetes difficult, if that makes sense, right? Like the beginning part obviously was difficult, but I didn't know what I was experiencing. So I don't count that. And when I hear all these other stories on the podcasts of people who like just maybe don't have all the technology or choose not to have the technology or, you know, just there's all these things that we get to make diabetes management easier. Mm. I didn't really have to deal with that because my endo was just like, you're having this, you're having this, put this on your body. I don't care how you feel about it. You need all these things. Um, I've never had to really struggle in that same way, you know, to figure things out. She made it really, really easy to kind of manage my diabetes and she was checking on me constantly. So the entire pregnancy, I mean, I probably went there every two or three weeks. Yeah. Um, it was really tight control. And I, I really think that made all the difference. It sounds like she decided to take personal responsibility for your baby being okay. And you, I mean, you know, what a wonderful lady, yeah, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, it occurred to me just now while you were talking, I've recorded, I mean, I might've recorded close to 500 of these at this point. And mm-hmm. uh, yours was the first 30 minute diagnosis story. But, oh, wow. But when Sorry. You, no, no, no. But when you really think about it, it really was like all of that that happened for those months and months and months. That's all part of you figuring out you have type one diabetes. And mm-hmm. and how many doctors did you have to run into? Like that is not that doesn't warm my heart. How many doctors you had to run into before one of them was like, you have type one. Like what what's going on here? The biggest thing was just that I was older, you know, like I, I, that's the only thing people were looking at, like, oh, she's 30. So she can't possibly have type one, you know, and don't forget also that your, your people eat beans. So, you know, like whatever that is, Yeah. (laughs) like, seriously, I hear, um, you know, black patient advocates talk all the time about, you know, people look at my skin and make assumptions about how I take care of myself immediately. Yeah. And, and so, you know, that this is another example of that, really. Like they they see they see you, you know, as your background and your heritage and your race. And then they're just like, oh, well, obviously she doesn't eat well. And this is why she has type two diabetes. Yep. Like, that's that's horrible. it. I mean, even though I like I said, I, I wasn't overweight at the time, you know, there's I told my doctors like I run every day and like I work out, you know, I'm not I'm not super like slender all the time. A girl likes to eat. Right. But 
I mean, I take care of myself. So it was, yeah, it's just, you I hope that other wine. people don't continue to have this problem where they're told like, oh, it's something that you did to cause this, you know? <laughs> I, listen, I would, I would have no ability to look at you and think that you're an unhealthy person. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, until we talk to you and find out about the wine and everything else, <laughs> then we can start figuring That's it out. That's my one serious vice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, can you tell people right now, how do you hold a bottle and a baby at the same time? What's the balancing action? <laughs> bottle and a baby? Oh, oh. no problem. <laughs> just got to work out a little bit before. and That way you can, can just keep, yeah, keep the balance. We should probably tell Dyfus now that you're, you don't drink wine while you're caring for your baby at the same time, right? So I mean... <laughs> You know, if it's nap time. (laughs) (laughs) So how long have you had type 1 diabetes? So now it's been since April of 2019. Mm -hmm. So a little over a year. Can you tell me what your current A1C is? Are you willing to do that? Yeah, it's uh, I think it was 6.1. Wow, that's amazing. It was, you know, in the fives. And then, of course, my endo was like, that's too low. <laughs> you need to have a little bit more. Did you think like, it was okay. too low? Hmm? Were you having lows when it was in the fives? Um, Yeah, because I still I'm still trying to manage like being active. So like I do work out. I run. I walk. Uh, now I walk a lot more with the baby Um, and I hike. And so I do tend to get a lot of lows during that during any of those activities, no matter what I do to prepare. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to get, you know, figure that out. So I think that definitely like increases my, uh, my chances of having the, you know, a lower A1C, but you know, I guess I just got to eat more. <laughs> well, I like talking to you because you are, you're not the person I imagine in my mind listening to the podcast because you listen to it more for the, like the community stuff and hearing people's stories and not for mm-hmm. the management stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, in my default, in my head, that the podcast is about using insulin. And so, um, but I know there are people like you who don't listen to the, to the management stuff as much. I, I tell people all the time in the private Facebook group who are very focused on management. Usually that I was like, you guys are a sub, like you're just one like subset of the, of listeners. I was like, there are plenty of listeners who don't care about the stuff you care about. It's really interesting mm-hmm. how, how it gets split like that. But you should try the pro tip episodes. They might help you not get low when you're active. Yeah, I I have um, listened to a lot of them. It's just I was listening to the podcast, I think, more frequently, like when I was pregnant and I had time (laughs) and I was really still like trying to manage a lot of things. I need to get back into it. But I did take a kind of a break from anything joyful and listening to my own things for a little while here. Cause anytime the baby's asleep, I'm like, okay, what can I get done? I <laughs> so, well, what did, uh, what kind of a baby did you end up having? Did you end up having a boy type or a girl type? I had a boy. He is the cutest child in the world. I'm sure he's a little chunk. Um, yeah, everything, everything turned out wonderfully. I mean, it really, I couldn't have asked for a, a better pregnant experience. Um, and even being diabetic, like that was my one, my one like difficulty, but I never got sick. You know, I was able to eat pretty much what I wanted to eat. Um, there was, there was really nothing difficult. So I feel like that was a, in my mind, that was like the universe's trade-off here. You have diabetes, but you're going to have a really easy pregnancy and delivery. <laughs> Glad, especially at five too, because you're, a smaller person. So how big was the baby when it was born? 
Uh, he was like eight pounds and a half. Wow, that's a big baby. That's what I hear. <laughs> yeah. Listen, as long it as it makes it so out, it's little fine. to me. <laughs> I know, right? It's uh, it's crazy how small they are. I um, I don't know. I just I saw a baby picture of my son the other day. You know how like I have a widget on my computer and it pops like a picture up. Like right now, I just clicked on it. It's a picture of Arden when she's like a year old, and so they kind of pop up on my desktop once in a while, and then I get all like sappy and i sit here for a couple yeah. of minutes and i'm like oh look at how small he was and now arden's like in this photo just staring at me in this picture which i can't share with anybody because arden does not want to be portrayed as a baby on the internet so um <laughs> but she's adorable in this in this photo uh so i know how you feel but the busy so how are you managing taking care of yourself with the busy have you found a split like you turned into like a real adult out of nowhere like you're managing diabetes and a baby and you still work i imagine yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like with my health, I totally was a 15 year old, um, still am a little bit like I have to, that's something that you take for granted if you've always been healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely in that aspect had to, you know, grow up very quickly in that area, but I think everything else I'm, I'm a pretty organized person. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm a teacher. So like I'm all about checklists and lesson plans, itineraries and getting things done. So I think, that kind of helped also with like diabetes and balancing everything. And luckily the only, I only had issues with diabetes when he was really, really little. Like when I was still trying to breastfeed, that was a challenge with blood sugar. Um, I hemorrhaged when I was giving birth. And so that was a problem because it impacted, I don't know, it impacted like the iron in my blood or whatever. So that impacted my blood sugar and, Then I had some insulin resistance that I had never dealt with that before, really. Mm -hmm. Um, At month three and month six postpartum, that was annoying. But they really are like little things. It's it's not really even mentionable. It's like little things. They all went away. Um, And now it's just fine. I mean, luckily, you know, knock on wood, right? (laughs) You have a terrific attitude. Like you really do. You have a really kind of joyous personality and, you know, a great attitude. So I'm sure that goes a long way to helping you. I hope. <laughs> well, you'll find out. Give it away for a week and see if everything doesn't seem all doom and gloomy. Um, yeah, right. But no, but that really is. Um, I've just been waiting for so long to talk to you. Like, I remember when I said, like, come on the podcast, but let's push it way out into the future because I want you to have some distance from the story so you can tell it. That made me anxious. I was like, oh, I would like to record this one now. But I thought it'll go so much better if I push it off a little bit. And I, I, I'm, did I make you like, I made you push it off like a year, basically. I was like, pick something way out in the future and, and we'll do it. Cause it's December now in 2020. So it's it been, is. oh my gosh. Yeah. It's been over a year since we talked on the phone even. And yeah. How old I mean, is your son now? He just turned one just oh, like a couple days ago. Congratulations. That's yeah. Excellent. Thanks. It was exciting. Did you have a big zoom party for him? Um, we had, we did some drop by. So I still did like a, a little brunch thing with all these like treats to go that people could come take. And then people came, you know, with their masks and just dropped off their gifts. I wanted my gifts, Scott. <laughs> so <laughs> they came and dropped off their gifts and then had some treats to go. <laughs> I didn't make this baby not to get free stuff. <laughs> well, hello. It's his first birthday. <laughs> no, that's very cool. Uh, that's excellent. Good for you. I'm excited for you. And uh, Are you teaching virtually or how do you do that? I am. <laughs> 
So do you like just put the kid right on your lap and teach or how do you? Um, I have my mom downstairs who just watches him for, you know, a couple hours while I teach. I mean, that that's a another thing I think that helps uh, the diabetes go smoothly is that I'm home and I have a lot of control over what I can eat and I'm sitting in front of the computer. Um, I've been a kindergarten teacher for nine years. And then this year I switched to first grade so that I could uh, only work in the morning. Okay. Um, And so I have a partner that teaches in the afternoon and uh, when I was teaching like live in person with kindergartners, I mean, I was always low, like <laughs> my blood sugar was so annoying to handle because there's 25 people that need you. They need you to tie their shoes and they need you to help them use the bathroom. And, yeah. you know, they can't do this. And this person hit me and this person, all these things. And my blood sugar would be, you know, beeping, 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 beeping. And I'm like, right. Okay. I'm going to get it one second. I'm going to eat something. Hold on. But I'm like running around and I just, it was so much harder to, to manage while I was working. Um, you rarely sit as a kindergarten teacher, uh, really any teacher, right? You just are mm-hmm. not sitting. You're walking around helping the kids and talking and making copies and the, the list is endless. And so I think being home really has helped it be manageable because I'm just sitting in front of the computer interacting with my kids. And if I need to grab something to eat to correct a blood sugar, you know, a low, I'll just go get it. You know, it's not a big deal versus being at school. I can't always do that. I have to sometimes wait until lunch or I have to grab a juice really quick yeah, and it's not, not the, the best management. So this setup is eliminated a major variability in your blood sugar, which is activity and, and not having time to look at yourself. So when you go back, eventually you're going to have to find basal rates that are that are different. I would imagine going back to work it live will make your basal needs go down. Yeah, yeah. probably. I, um, yeah. Arden's went way down leaving school. So when, Oh really? Yeah. So I, because like, I don't know why exactly, but my, I've been thinking about it more and more. And I think part of it was you get up in the morning and it's right away. It's that race in the clock. You know, you're like, I got to get up and get a shower and do this and get out the door on time or I'll be late. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing. So you, you get feet on the floor, you know, huge where you know, life is just coming at you. And then you're at school and, you know, you're interacting with people and all that stuff's going on. You know, I don't know if there's any anxiety or stress being in high school for her, but mm-hmm. uh, her basal went down from like 1.2 to 0.9 an hour, like oh, just, wow. just coming home from high, and not being at high school. So she she's going to have like an opposite of you but you're going to go back and be in a track meet with little kids again. Although you're first grade now, it might be a little better. Maybe they won't hit each other quite as much. Uh, this whole pandemic thing, it's just going to be uh, kindergarten, kindergarten minds and in, in bigger bodies, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think the kids learned anything in kindergarten this year? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they have learned stuff, but the stuff that I think is like why you go to kindergarten is the social, you know, how to learn how to line up and how to, you know what I mean? Like all those social skills, how to sit at the carpet for a long time and all the stuff that you physically have to herd cats for basically as a teacher. Mm. Um, they might all be like at grade level, let's hope, but I, I think it's going to be just as much being on my feet. <laughs> so funny you say that. I recall the first couple of seasons of Cole playing baseball back when he was like, Cole started when he was four, but when he really started being on like teams when he was six, I remember thinking back then, so much of this is just getting them to stand in a line. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, <laughs> um, and then I remember as that kind of like youth baseball time ended when he was 12, I remember thinking, wow, look, now they say something and they go run over and get in that line. It took like <laughs> five years to teach them how to do that. <laughs> fascinating and it oh, really so was, much of teaching <laughs> really, really was was what was going on is like this there's this whole just like where do you go where do you stand it's funny you said something earlier too that made me think about something i just said on the podcast recently which is uh when cole was that age he was a really good he always has been and is today a really great outfielder but he was when he was younger too and he described it to me as that he didn't want to let his coach down and i feel oh. like that's how you feel with your doctors a little bit too like you're kind of like in a teacher student or a coach player situation with her Mm -hmm. does that ring true for you yeah for sure i mean i i feel like this is kind of how my mom raised me but like if people are spending their time on you you know you show them respect by like caring about what they're talking about or trying to do what they're obviously teaching you even if you don't like it um and that's kind of how i feel i'm like well if she's trying so hard to teach me things that are useful, then the least I could do is actually try it and listen to her. And there have been some times where I'm like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> I get irritated with like little things. And then I try what she says and I'm like, oh, look at that. It worked, <laughs> you know? So it just, yeah, it is kind of like coaching. You found a good one. It sounds like, should she be on my list on the juice box docs list? Is she a real good endo? You think? I mean, I think she's amazing <laughs> personally. Cool. That's excellent. She saved you, it sounds like, honestly. Yep, she's amazing. And I even had, um, two years ago, I had a student in my class. Uh, He, you know, came in for open house and his parents were popping in and uh, his dad stopped me and was like, hey, you're diabetic. And I was like, yeah, like not, I was like, how do you even know that? And he's like, oh yeah, I see your Dexcom. And I was like, oh, are you a diabetic? And he's like, yeah. And he like shows me his Dexcom, you know? (laughs) And um, come to find out he goes to the same endo and it was just kind of a funny thing every time we would see each other he'd be like oh i have to go see dr q today i'm gonna be in trouble because you know x y and z and i'm like oh no i totally feel your pain you know and it's just even even just those little interactions you know knowing that like you have the same endocrinologist she's like one of the best in our area Mm -hmm. um that is just like such a big community piece, you know, too. So the fact that she can, she has that presence to tie people together because of how she is. <laughs> wow, that's excellent. That's really terrific. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I actually um, go to that link and send me the information when you get a chance. It's juiceboxdocs.com. And I'm oh, yeah, I'm, definitely. Yeah, and they're the ones that told me about uh, the podcast, actually. Really? The, mm-hmm. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Q. Excellent. Yes. Well, now I like <laughs> Seattle a little better. Look at that. <laughs> That's I'm, good. I'm such a cheap whore. You could just easily sway me. <laughs> two seconds. It's not all terrible. I live outside of Seattle, so <laughs> it's like you know all the. Well, I'm just saying. Didn't those crazy people take a few blocks of Seattle this year and deem it? Oh like, yeah, yeah, but I mean, just some hippie stuff. That's just good. Old, the good old. <laughs> The good old crew, just keeping things interesting. <laughs> I'll tell you from a distance, it seemed pretty crazy, just so you know. <laughs> They're gone now. They're gone. They've dispersed back to their lives. That's right. Oh, my God. Um, this this episode is terrific. First of all, you're great. You you. I don't even <laughs> think you needed me. I think I could have gotten on and been like, hey, Jill, tell people what happened to you. And then I could have pushed the mic away and gone and had a sandwich and come back and you would have be talking still. Uh, so... <laughs> Appreciate that very much. Uh, yeah. I'm glad the baby's healthy. 
Your husband's yes. okay. Everybody's good yep. with everything. Excellent. So I, I want to say that you are a great example of a quick transition. And that people who have been struggling for a long time, I, I think they should see you as a, as a real, like, a story of, like, hopefulness. Because all you all you really did was bump into the right doctor, find a little bit of information, listen to a podcast, get a YouTube video, and then you're here you are. You have a 6.1 A1C and you're living your life again. I, I think that everyone sometimes can believe that it's just such a long process, but the long part of the process is what you described in the beginning. It's the part where you're, so, so my point is the process doesn't have to be long. It has to be focused on the right things. And that becomes difficult when you don't know what the right things are. Right. Right. Because had you met Dr. Q on day one at that urgent care, you wouldn't have this long story and your process to type one diabetes would have felt very quick and easy. So it's not about diabetes takes a long time to figure out. I think it's more about sometimes it takes a long time to find people that can help you with it. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. And, you know, like all of the all of those little things that you mentioned and like having Instagram and having the Facebook community and all of those things, like they just add so much to the experience to make it easier because all, I mean, I can't imagine being a type one diabetic even 10 years ago, right? Where social media was like a thing, but not how it is now. I mean, there is so much information on how to do, how to manage your diabetes and how to live your life and how to eat normally just at the tip of your fingers. You know, if I ever have something that pops up, I I just get on my Instagram and I'm like, okay, who has this? Let me make a post about it. Let me see if I can tag some people, right? It's just, you have so much more control. And I think finding, finding those little things just to make your life a little bit easier, even though it might feel frustrating at first. I mean, it just makes all the difference, you know, taking, taking more control of your own health rather than waiting for doctors to figure stuff out. Yeah. Well, because as you proved today, you could wait forever if you don't meet the right person. Yep, that's yeah. right. No, seriously, you would have. You could be dead now if you didn't meet that woman. Seriously, I think like, that all the time, Scott. Yeah. I think that all the time. I had so many from January to April. I had a lot of really scary, scary incidents happen, and every time I took back the incident to a person in charge, in my mind. I was just sent home, you know, they're just like, yeah, that happens when you're diabetic. <laughs> like, and now you know, I mean, it just was so ridiculous. <laughs> and now, you know, no, it doesn't like that stuff doesn't actually have to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, at some point you, you mixed air travel, wine and DKA together, basically, you know? Oh yeah. Snow. Sh- I went snowshoeing all by myself, <laughs> Scott, <laughs> Wait a minute. which is intense. I had no control over my diabetes. I was like super shaky. I had a very intense low. Had no idea like that that was a thing. Like, you know, I was just like, oh, my blood sugar's low. I'm holding what it. What now? Like, I had no idea what to do. I had nothing. I'm holding in a had... laugh and wanting to say, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I, I just had no information. I didn't know like how to connect the dots. You know, I just was not getting anything. You know, all I knew was being high was scary. Yeah. You know, and that's it because for a type two, that's the big, 
Yeah, you're scared the of a big, big thing was being being high, not being low. And so I it just it was just a, a shit show. Uh, no <laughs> Pretty kidding. much. It is it really is fascinating because aside of that time when you didn't understand about diabetes, aside of that time, you're a reasonably together person. You sound like a you know what I mean? Like there's nothing yeah. about you that says snowshoeing with undiagnosed type one diabetes. Like it, you you don't seem like that person now. And and I assume you weren't that person outside of this bubble that existed, which was a bubble of having diabetes and not knowing. And not right, if I had known, you would not have done. <laughs> you know, if I had truly understood all of the the dangers, I would have never done all the things that I was doing. But I just didn't have the information. That's it. You know, wow. it's just wow. ridiculous. <laughs> so you would tell people keep moving till you find a good doctor. First of all. Mm-hmm. Right. And what what other things have you learned that are valuable? Oh, just get a community. That was that was a game changer, right? Like uh again in April when I met Dr. Q's team, um one of the girls, Monica, who is a diabetes educator and also an omnipod rep, um, she is so kind and compassionate. I was like bawling. <laughs> They were trying to get a Dexcom on me and I like didn't provide consent. They were just like, we need to put this on you. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't know what that is. And they're like, you need to have this on your body, right? So they put this Dexcom on me. I feel like I'm a horse being branded. Like <laughs> I did not want anything on my body. I didn't know what it was. And she's so sweet. She takes her hands in mine and she's like, everything's going to be fine. You're going to go home. You're going to download the Juice Box podcast, Okay. What is that called? Like repeat after me. You're also going to get yourself an Instagram and you're going to get yourself people that also have diabetes. Okay. Wow. I mean, that was the best advice that she could have given me because I was so emotional and it had been four months of nonsense. Right. Mm. And I did exactly what she told me. And those were two really simple things that I could control, you know, everything that the doctors were doing, I couldn't control. I just had to trust that they were giving me good advice, but you got to get yourself a community, that Instagram thing. You have to watch other people struggle and fail and get back up again so that you can learn how to manage your failures because that's, that's diabetes. You know, you're going to screw it up sometimes and you have to get to know your body and there's no way to do it without watching other people do it. I had, um, a guy reach out to me, an adult male, uh, a week ago or so through Instagram. And it just seemed like he had been watching the account, my account for so long. And he just finally had the nerve to say like, hello. And he's like, I I, I don't know what to do. I need help. And I looked at his graph and I was like, Hey man, if I was you, I'd look at this and this and this, and he's starting to like get control of it. And he should see how happy he is. Just, oh, it, but, yeah. but it was his, um, he got over the hump of like, not, of not saying anything to anybody, just imagining that his blood sugar had to stay in the two hundreds all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just, I've never been happier for a person who I've never seen before. Like he doesn't put his face in his account anywhere. I don't know him. Um, but I've never been happier for a person that I don't know because yeah. he, he made this big, you know, he made a big grand gesture for himself. And for him, it was just reaching out to somebody and saying, I, I don't know what to do. That's but it. I, and I, I have found that so many people in this community, of course, yourself included, are just so willing to help, you know, like it's, it's, it's your health. If you're not willing to ask and say, hey, I need help with this. 
I don't know, man, it's going to be a lot harder, you know, and there's so many people out there with the knowledge who are happy to at least point you in the right direction, you know? Yeah, no, I've found that for sure. Well, I think we've learned that in this hour, you've talked about a lot of pricks, but you only didn't avoid one of them. So the rest of them, you were pretty good at running from. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I heard. Also, I have a image of you in a doctor's office, like a like in a horse bridle, having a Dexcom put on you for the uh, first time. That <laughs> <I> was traumatic. <laughs> I I like that you were around people now that are just like, yeah, we'll worry about what Jill wants in a minute. <laughs> they really Gosh. well because. It, it, here's why, it, it, and I'll let you go in a minute. I know we're up on time, but it okay. illustrates for me, like when people say about their kids, like, oh, he doesn't really want that. Or she, I don't think she would like that. She said she doesn't want that. I'm like, yeah, no one wants that. No one, right. no one says to themselves, you know, it'd be cool. I'd like to wear an insulin pump, but then you get right. type one <laughs> diabetes. You know what I mean? And you go, okay. And then at, my, my thing to people has always been, what other life and death decisions do you let your eight-year-old make? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, they're always like, well, it's their body. And I'm like, I, I, I get that. I was like, but try it anyway, because, you know, in a week, they're not going to notice it. I wore a G6 last week, and the only problems I had with my G6 was forgetting where that I had it on when I was showering. Like, that's it, because oh, okay. I kept banging into it with my hand and going, oh, I'm wearing that. I forgot. <laughs> like, 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 And I've worn an Omnipod uh, demo, and mm-hmm. the same thing happens. You know, a mm-hmm. couple days later, you just, you don't know it's there anymore. Um, right, you just get used to it. Yeah, and it's been, a, and listen, people don't have to pump. They don't have to use a CGM. I'm not saying that. But if you're a parent sitting around thinking, well, I do think this would be really beneficial, but, you know, Billy doesn't want it, and Billy's six years old. Mm, maybe, you know, channel your inner Dr. Q and just be like, shut up, Billy. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Sometimes we have to do things that are hard. You know, I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. Diabetes is not something to mess around with, you know, and if you have something that's going to make it that much easier that you are going to kind of forget about, I mean, you don't remember that you're wearing it unless you knock it on something and it comes off. (laughs) Right? Yeah, Yeah, I don't. I don't see what the what the weight is for. Those things are game changers. Because am I right, Jill? In fairness, if we left this up to you, you wouldn't be wearing those things. No. And I think I I mean, I don't think I'm alone in that. If you're an adult (laughs) who has lived your whole life without a device on your body. Not looking. Yeah. You're not going to want to wear a device. I mean, shocker, you know, like it's it's not (laughs) comfortable to have something stuck on you. At the beginning, people don't always like change, right? It's a that's a big life thing that you have to get used to. And especially as a woman, I think if you know society pressures us so much to think about what we look like, it is a big mental step to think, okay, I have to put this on my arm or I have to put this on my leg or in a place where people could possibly see and ask questions. If you're not at that mental place to want to ask answer questions of people like, what is that? It's a big thing to put on. I think if someone had just handed me the Dexcom and said, here you go, wear it when you are you know, ready to wear it, I probably would have continued finger sticking for a while because it's just a big step. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I'm not still doing that. You know, right. there's sometimes that I run out of Dexcom supplies and I'm like, man, I have to go back to the old way. Like, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> I remember interviewing Victor Garber and he said, I have a, 
a de- I think it was a Dexcom or an Omnipod. One of the, it might have been an Omnipod. He's like, oh, I have that. It's in a drawer. I right. can't bring himself to do it. Now he wears it. Whichever one it was, I forget which one it was. Now he now he wears it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's not the he's not the first person who's told me I have the device. I put it in a drawer. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. And so I get it. Like, you know, I re- listen, I remember taking Arden to the children's hospital for her first Dexcom insertion. And she said, going in there, I don't want this. And I was sure, like, yeah, I was like, I know you don't. I said, but I think it's going to help you. So let's try mm-hmm. it. And, um, you know, and, and it's probably been the best decision we've ever made. Yeah. But and I'm not saying force, by the way, I'm not saying force your kids to do something kicking and screaming, but I'm saying there's a way to continue to the conversation and, you know, you talk them into doing it at some point, just, you know, the trying it at the very least. Yep. Yeah. You don't, thank you for, for this. Thank you for basically creating like a two year relationship with me so I could get a cool podcast episode out of you because <laughs> I just knew if we talked last year, this wouldn't have been how it, this couldn't have gone better in my opinion is what I'm saying. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. I'm so happy. What did we name the baby? Uh, Zavi. His name's Xavier, but we call him Zavi. Not Scott, you're saying. Okay, I got it. Uh, that's all. <laughs> you could have just said not Scott. I don't really care what your baby's name is. Do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> My baby is adorable, and any kind of attention he gets, he's getting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still a new mom, okay? <laughs> oh, no. It's got to be the most exciting time. It doesn't end, by the way. Uh, if you're using my wife as an example, I still think uh, my wife's ovaries twitch when my son is or daughter like in trouble or sad or upset or Ugh. anything. I don't think it goes Gosh. away. Just so you know, you're going to be tormented by that kid forever. Your mom is somewhere right now tormented by the things that bother you. Just like, Oh, she's downstairs. Yes. <laughs> Very tormented watching Zavi. <laughs> well, yeah. Is he a, is he a handful? Uh, he's becoming a handful right now because he just took his first couple steps. Um, so yeah, he is becoming a little, a little nugget. That's for sure. But nothing I can't handle. <laughs> See, now you just made me think of the first time Arden ran across the room and it almost made me cry. Isn't that something? Uh, and she's sixteen, gosh. so just you know, it's not going to stop. Just so you know. Uh, I believe it. <laughs> um, thank you so much for doing this. I hope you have a merry Christmas. I got to tell you, I really like this one. It's probably going to go up pretty soon. A huge thanks to Jill for coming on the show and telling what I thought was an incredible story. Thanks also to Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump, for being longtime sponsors. And another longtime sponsor, Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. And never forget about touchedbytype1.org. Learn more about the sponsors. And give them a look. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. TouchedByType1.org. This was a good first show, wasn't it? Right? We're starting off 2021 with a vibe that I liked. Let's keep it going. Okay, so pretty soon, uh, pretty soon, first couple weeks of January, on my Instagram and Facebook pages, I'll be putting up information and it'll basically say this. We're going to, and basically here's what we're going to do. I'm going to figure it out. Probably one or two episodes of the pro tip series at a time. You'll listen to it in your own time. And then there'll be a scheduled time with a zoom link that you can come and talk about it with a bunch of people. So like a book club, 
We're going to listen to something, then come together and talk about it. I thought that was a nice idea. I ran it past some people. They seemed to like it too. So we're going to give it a shot. And if it works, we're going to go through the entire pro tip series. If you don't know what I'm talking about when I say pro tip series, there are episodes within the podcast called Diabetes Pro Tip and then an extension of what that episode is about. It begins at episode 210 with Diabetes Pro Tip, newly diagnosed or starting over. And you can see all of those in one place at diabetesprotip.com, where you can just scroll back in your podcast player and listen to them there. So if that sounds good to you, keep an eye out for the social media. I'm on the Instagram and Facebook. Uh, let's see, on Instagram, at Juicebox Podcast. On Facebook, the public group is at Bold with Insulin. The private group is Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes. The information will be there very soon. I hope you're having a great start to your new year. I am genuinely jacked up about this next season. I can't wait to bring you all the things I have planned out. Oh, and I probably should say, because so many people right now are trying to take advantage of um, others with their Instagram, you know, ah, I'm a, I'm a, what was the one thing I saw that cracked me up? I can't say, or the person will know who I am. Anyway, there's a lot of people charging money to get together in private Facebook groups and talk about things or have access to certain content. I do not do that. This book club thing is completely free. So you'll never be asked to spend money to listen to this podcast. Keep that in mind. Anyway, um, I'll get you more details as soon as I have them. I'm looking forward to doing it. I think the first meeting should definitely be in January. And I can't wait for this next season of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for leaving amazing reviews wherever you listen. Subscribe in a podcast app and support the advertisers. If you do those things, you make the inside of my heart happy. I'll talk to you soon.